What do you do when your accountant has embezzled $5 million from you and set you up for tax fraud, and your wife wants to file for a divorce? Well, there's only one place that can solve all of your problems. That's right. Take a trip to Intercourse, Pennsylvania, heart of the Amish country. Intercourse is a business hub for both Amish and local folks. Beautiful Amish farms surround the village, which make it one of the top tourist destinations for visitors to Pennsylvania Dutch country. Take a walk around this small country town and you'll discover intriguing specialty shops, museums, art galleries, other attractions, and local restaurants. While you're here, try plowing a field with Big John, help a shy and love-struck middle-aged man profess his love, or take our famous cow blockade car launch overlooking our beautiful swamp pond. So come, rekindle your marriage, let the IRS find you, and get in touch with your inner chin here in Amish country. We are plowing now. For richer, for poorer, wait, is that a, is that a, uh, is that a phrase, an idiom? It is an idiom. It's in, it's in marriage vows, in sickness oh. and in health, for richer or poorer. Oh, is it, Landon, did you wow. just now get this, that what the mo- ch- movie's about? That changed the whole movie for me. Your 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 letterboxed score is going to jump by multiple stars. <laughs> I okay. Listen, that place they go at the end of the movie Chinatown is that yeah. Chinatown? Is that? <laughs> oh shit! I get it now. Okay, all right. Spoiler alert! I gave this film one and a half stars on letterboxed. <laughs> uh, this movie is. Very easy to hate, and yes. I do. <laughs> and now, I want to say, folks, I, I feel like every time we do a movie on this podcast, it tends to maybe not be a movie that we like, and we tend to go hard on them. And I, I don't want you to think that we're unhappy people, necessarily. I am but a very happy person right now. The, these mo- <laughs> Because you're talking about For Richer or Poorer, a movie that you have <laughs> critically reappraised since no. learning the origin of the term. Because <laughs> I'm talking to one of my best buds. Oh, Landon, I missed you too. It's been a while since we've <laughs> recorded, and this is this is what brings us back together. This movie, which is at its heart about a relationship, I, oh, and also go. not good. It's it's about a relationship between uh, two characters, lab grown to be the most unappealing <laughs> characters on screen, portrayed yes. by two of Hollywood's most <laughs> prominent Republicans. In a movie that, uh, uh, in a movie that uh, really venerates the concept God. of being wealthy, that's all I'm saying. That's all we're I'm talking, saying. We're talking, we're talking for richer or poorer. Uh, a movie released in 1997. This came out um, December 14th, 1997. So this came out uh, halfway through season seven that we just covered. So Merry we should Christmas. have done this. Uh, <laughs> For a, a mid-season episode, uh, we didn't do any mid-season bonus episodes, so you get it now. Yeah, uh, I want to just talk a little bit about the specs of this movie, and then uh, we'll give you a little synopsis at, before we get into the nitty gritty. Uh, this movie was directed by Brian Spicer, a mm-hmm. prominent TV director who did a lot of X Files. Uh, mm-hmm. He also did Twenty Four. The only movie that I think 
he did before this was the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger, the movie movie. Uh, the um, classic, truly, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's big into X-Files world, even went on to do um, a lot of episodes of the Lone Gunman spinoff. Now, I, Landon, I, I don't know if you've purposefully glossed over his work directing on the Nickelodeon sitcom Salute Your Shorts, uh, the, the <laughs> summer camp show, because I think that I, probably was very yeah. formative. He only did two episodes of that, though, so I don't know how much creative influence he really had. Well, that uh, show... We can talk about Parker Lewis Can't Lose, though, because that was a big movie or a big show of my, uh, my childhood slash adolescence. I'm just saying, salute your shorts. Many of the gags in in that show turn on people falling in mud or barnyard animals <laughs> having bad smells, and I am drawing oh, connections. Wow. Good call. Uh, the movie was written by Jana Howington and Steve uh, Lukanic. Oh, no yes, word yes, yes. on whether or not. There were many, many other writers who didn't pass arbitration. I'm suspecting there were. <laughs> I, I don't I, I don't know, though. I don't know. I was thinking about this. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the writers of this movie, uh, uh, Steve, uh, Steve Lukanic uh, has written only one movie, and that is for richer or poorer. Well, and he also and he mainly works in producing uh, mm -hmm. producing d documentary television and reality television. And uh, Jana Howington wrote for richer or poorer, and in the in the twenty odd years, thirty odd years since, she has written one episode, two episodes of a Curious George uh, TV series, or she's written. Uh, look, and I'm not I'm not saying any of that to like. One's a TV movie, uh, to, uh, okay, by the way, a Peacock original. I want to be, I've said, and I am not saying that to shit on them or their careers or anything like that. If you look at my IMDb, you will see that I was a writer's assistant on a show about an evil tree that kills people. So I'm not, I'm not throwing shade. I'm just saying it's very interesting. I, that, if you look at mine, it says West Nile herpes. So listen, we all have our and, blemishes. That but we that's have under to your bio section though, Landon. That's the, that's the question. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's very interesting to have two writers whose careers begin as writers with a, like tentpole studio comedy featuring two A-list actors and then ha nothing before and really nothing in writing after. I don't know. It's very, it's very weird, but yeah. I don't, I don't think there were this. I, I don't know. I somehow I feel like if there were a bunch of other writers in here throwing jokes out, I would hope that there would be some kind of story by situation or something. Uh, well, I don't know. That's it's hard to say. I mean, I don't exactly know how arbitration works, and it's changed a lot over the years. Uh, this is the content that people <laughs> tune into arbitration conversations. I, I mean, how much better or worse is it than anything else we talk about? A fair point. Um, the thing is, I think that there might not be a story by like a producer could have kind of come up with the concept and then handed it to writers to like do the screenplay and then had, you know, 12 other writers come in to do punch ups and they don't actually pass the arbitration. So they wouldn't get story buys necessarily. Uh, and they uh. just bring it down to Steve and Jana are the two that, you know, contributed the most to the screenplay. Therefore they're the ones that get credit. I don't know. I guess I'm just, I'm also just, curious or in this about... case blame. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> Well, I don't know, but I mean, you know, I we can we can say what we will about the quality of the movie, and indeed we will. But they probably got a good paycheck out of it. I mean, this movie was big. Sure. I don't know what their residual yeah, situation is, but it's just it's a very interesting big movie for these people to even if even if they were just two of many writers in a room that yeah. they out of everybody got the credit for it, and then afterwards just 
you know, Hollywood didn't knock anymore. <laughs> uh, in fact, opening weekend, it made $6 million. That's not great. <laughs> mm, even uh, even but back it, then? Even back then. And, okay, so I found this to be kind of interesting. And bear with me through the number stuff, and then we'll get to the good stuff, I promise. But uh, <laughs> but you have domestic- to eat your vegetables first. Listen to our number <laughs> stuff. Usually, at least in the 2020s, um, most films make their money in worldwide gross. Uh, mm-hmm. domestic is like a big part of it as you know, the American movie going audiences and, and Canadians as well. Uh, they, you know, make up maybe uh, a good third up to half, depending on the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie grossed domestically $31 million. Oof. Okay. Uh, worldwide $32 million. <laughs> so this played nowhere outside of, it was just American market only. I, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. How do you really market a movie about <laughs> Amish country in Europe or, you know, any other mm-hmm. continent that doesn't have the Amish? All right, I'm actually, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm being insufferable now, too, and I'm looking at the top five at the box office for the uh, week that it came out. Scream 2 made $32 million that weekend, which is basically as oh, much money as yeah. this movie made the entire time that it ran, which probably wasn't yeah. for very long. They were um, probably aiming for, uh, with a December 14th release, they were probably trying to piggyback on tim allen being the family um uh you know star that you could go to off of you know santa claus so they're Mm. like let's release a a tim allen movie in december we'll get the family audience going up against scream and we'll try to split the audience you know in half the teenagers will go to scream and we'll get the rest of the family yeah and then apparently They're thinking that, and then they're thinking that maybe some of the uh, more pretentious members of the family will sneak out right after Furniture Report starts and go to one of the 335 <laughs> theaters still playing Boogie Nights, which made $300,000 that weekend. That's right, All folks. Right. Boogie Nights, a movie that existed in the same world as Furniture Report. Landon. Have you ever mentioned that movie before? Uh, no, I'm mainly a Hudsucker proxy guy. I think, oh, uh, right. <laughs> yeah, that's the only other movie I talk about. I'm turning over a new leaf. So, so yeah, I just want to wrap that up. It was $31 million domestically, 32 uh, worldwide on a $35 million budget. Hmm. Yeah, okay. So I guess that's not great. Maybe they. Maybe no. the writers didn't get paid. um okay so truman why don't we do a quick synopsis of what the fuck happens in this movie and if you can't do it in one sentence uh i I might ask for your badge (laughs) okay okay but i'm i'm gonna keep the gun that i use to to shoot people who evade taxes you're an american you're (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. i mean actually you're legally not allowed to ask for my gun back even if i wanted to give it to you um okay here we go When asshole New York real estate developers Brad and Caroline Sexton are framed for tax evasion, they flee a pair of overzealous IRS agents and impersonate a Mennonite couple so they can hide out in Amish country. One sentence. Congratulations. Now, (laughs) you're still on the force. Longer than it needed to be could have been a haiku, but that's fine. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to make (laughs) lieutenant just yet. This film does not deserve haiku. Yeah, that's uh, yeah that 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 tradition is uh, that tradition is important and should be respected. Unlike the traditions of the Amish people, um, I yeah, have some spicy things to bring up. Okay, uh, okay, as one would expect from a one and a half star review. <laughs> but I want to start with first impressions. Is this your first time uh, seeing this movie? Uh, yeah this uh, this was me losing my furniture or poorer virginity, and um, <laughs> I'm not keen you on feel the experience. Oh, I feel I feel poorer for having done it. Um, 
Yeah, th- this is, so this is not my first time seeing, this is my first time seeing the movie, but it doesn't feel like my first time seeing the movie because I have seen so many movies specifically for this podcast about uh, wealthy New York businessmen who are bad. <laughs> Like just sometimes, sometimes it's Tim Allen, other times it's Hugh Grant, but I'm watching a lot of movies about businessmen in New York who work in finance or real Uh estate and are just shitty dudes and have to learn some lessons. And so we start this movie off with him being an asshole and I'm like, ah, excuse me, sir. Haven't you picked it up yet? Have you not talked to any of your friends? I Okay. There's so many things to comment upon and I want to get into my experience watching this as well. But uh, first of all, just while we're on the subject. There's a moment early on being the Wall Street asshole that he is where he's being chased by the IRS people and he takes uh, a quick break behind the bull statue on <sighs> Wall Street. Wasn't that the same fucking joke they did in Jungle to Jungle? Yes, Landon. Oh, my God. I was thinking about this. I'm so oh, – this is why we're friends. This is why we're friends. This this podcast is not about us denouncing the movie for rich or poor. It's about professing our love for one another. I had the exact same note. He is running around Battery Park where he and that little boy – in Jungle to Jungle are getting up to hijinks. Uh, Here's the, the other question. Yes. Didn't we open the Santa Claus with Tim Allen at a banquet doing some sort of reveal? Uh, wait, no, 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 no. We started We started two weeks notice with uh, Hugh Grant at a banquet doing a reveal. Oh, well, no, we start the Santa Claus because he's at the Christmas party and he pushes his co-worker out of the way and kicks, takes the microphone and talks about how successful oh, Wet shit. My Pants Dolly was. Oh, you're right. No, okay. I guess multiple movies about business guys who uh, start the movie by making a presentation. Okay. I think I think that's how you establish rich uh, socialite is that you have to put them at the front and center at a, a gala uh, at the beginning of your movie. Okay, well, I have got I have gala comments, but I don't want to step on on your impressions of this movie. Okay, not my first time watching it, and mm. I regret the time uh, I have lost to this movie. <laughs> I saw this in the theater. Um, you got to remember, you, this was nineteen ninety seven. Tim Allen seen Flubber. Come on, man. Oh, I saw that as well. Okay. Uh, Same this day. is probably some Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon with my parents going to see, you know, something. Um, and uh, I remember liking it at the time. Tim Allen, you know, you can't underestimate how big of a star Tim Allen was. Uh, mm-hmm. I, in retrospect, do not understand it at all. Uh, but he was, and there was a appeal, and you were able to overlook quite a quite a few things. Well, well, um, our whole podcast has been trying to understand the nature of Tim Allen's celebrity. I have, I have, you know, true. I have thoughts. We'll crack them open. Maybe not this okay, episode. All right. Well, I have Tim Allen thoughts here, and I'm surprised. To be honest with you, I'm very surprised. Tim Allen is the least offensive thing in this movie to me. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's inter- <laughs> no. That, that, well, I'll I make mean, my case. I'll make my case. Um, as, as we go on, but I, so yes, I saw this in the theater. Um, this viewing was torturous in that, uh, and I, I almost never watch movies this way. I had to start and stop about seven different times. <laughs> I've watched this in chunks. Here's what because I want to cringe. Was that no? Cause just my schedule didn't permit sitting down for oh. two hours. This movie is one hour and 55 minutes. Truman, this movie is three minutes shorter 
than Citizen Kane. <laughs> you know, uh, but but also like Citizen Kane, kind of revolutionary in in so many different ways. Like you can feel its knock on effects throughout our culture. It look, I watched this movie all in one sitting, and it's a it's a long two hours. No matter it how is, you slice it, this movie just takes up too much space. A movie. <laughs> Recycling the premise about rich people slumming it with uh, an out of fish, uh, fish out of water scenario. No, they're they're also out of fish. They're that they, they, are they crash their taxi into the lake. It kills all the fish. Two hours. I th- this movie is so poorly written and so poorly directed. I wanted to shout at my screen every second of the way. Uh you could spend your time watching Mad Max Fury Road, which is the same amount of time. You, you could. You could do that. You should. Uh, you should do that. I mean, there. but much like Mad Max Fury Road, there is some imagery in this movie that is disturbing and unpleasant. <laughs> um, you could go watch Casablanca in less time than this movie. But then you might you might come out of it feeling like uh, the needs of three people aren't worth a hill of beans, as opposed to this movie, which suggests that the needs of two people trump the needs of an entire community that was doing just fine without them. Or the needs of beans, as uh, uh, we we learn. It is plowing season. Um, yep. Yes. You can... Uh, the, the same exact runtime as Rear Window. Okay, I'm done. Listen, there are better things you can do uh, it, with your time, and I recommend going doing any of them. You could watch probably the first two thirds of Boogie Nights in the time it would take to watch this movie, and then and then I, I would wager that you'd be on the hook for the next half hour that it runs longer than this. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's so a long movie. Just, that's all. That's my only point. It, it, it's 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 a long movie that somehow warps time to feel even longer than it is. <laughs> I, I think the only other movie I've seen that does this is a movie I like a lot more, The Muppets Take Manhattan, which is only like 100 minutes long, but feels like a Boogie Nights length movie. There's just so much <laughs> going on there. Uh, yeah. So so yeah, For Richer or Poorer is a chaotic Muppets Take Manhattan. Uh, do we want to break, do we want to start breaking it down? I mean, is there anything else to say up front? Yeah, well, okay. I guess we can go into a little more first impressions, and we'll we'll get into specifics. Uh, I mean, I, when there, we talk think, about the beginning of the movie, we will be discussing our literal first imp- the impressions we were having at first in well, the movie. We're not. Listen, I refuse to go longer in our episode than the movie is. I do not I, want to spend that much time on this. Uh, fucking ag- movie. Agreed. Agreed. Yes, I think okay. everyone uh, everyone is in agreement that we don't need to pick this apart with a fine tooth comb. Here's okay. Um. I, uh, I don't even know where to. You, you just sound so anguished. I uh, am. I am very much uh, so. <laughs> gosh, are they richer? Are they poorer? Pick um, one. And I don't care either way. So I mean, there's a more fundamental issue at hand. The okay. I I listen to Rob Lowe's podcast uh, from time to time. I need some mm-hmm. caddy gossip in my life. So, uh, I I go I go to those links at times. He has mentioned before that, uh, and I can attest to the the small amount of movies that I was in, that when you have a bad script, there's no way to make a line reading sound believable. Like if true. you feel like you're you're shitty at acting, it's probably the writing. Mm. That it's is fun to be a writer, the, folks. <laughs> that is the case here, but and I I want to start this conversation here because I have a feeling I'm going to have to. Uh, uh, defend it a lot through this episode. Tim Allen has a gift. Yeah. Oh, where yeah. Where 
the he is able to make like he doesn't overanalyze things and he's able to make this shittiest most contrite blah moments and dialogue seem natural and mm. it, it, there were moments where i'm like this is almost a superpower i i don't think you could give this to meryl streep and she would seem as natural I, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. Seeing seeing Meryl <laughs> Streep playing a man, mind you, and delivering these lines, I think she would probably crush it harder than Tim Allen. But I will agree with you, okay. though. He is he is a good actor doing doing the best he can with material that is not great. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and I'll even say, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, he starts being nice to people. When he's being sincere and nice and not snide at the end, I was actually very taken with that because it's like, Overcoming my own just feelings about Tim Allen and just looking at looking at the part, it's like he's he's really convincing, acting like a nice yeah. guy in this role. Like I really I really buy this in the way he's doing this. I wish we had more of this opportunity for him to be genuine uh, in the movie and not just yes. kind of crass and sneering. Well, the uh, the unfortunate thing is when he is genuine, the movie so schmaltzes it up that it's almost impossible to swallow, and it's mm. it's one hundred percent not because of Tim Allen, but because of just how i don't tv movie this movie feels yeah in some ways yes but in other ways i found it charming how how much camera work there was in some scenes even if it was unnecessary like how much the camera's <laughs> moving i found it i found it charming the big stunts like they actually put a car chase in this movie for no reason they ha having a car <laughs> jump off of a road and crash into a lake where there's already a taxi, so the car crashes into the taxi. Like, there's there's amusing bits in here that are just, like, it, it made me nostalgic for a time period when a comedy would kind of have the budget to just write set pieces yeah. in for no real reason. Um, it's just a fun fun aspect of its time. Or even some of the sets they're on. Like, the original set, the sets for their penthouse... That is so mm -hmm. clearly, obviously, it looks like a sitcom set. <laughs> I agree. It doesn't yeah. like look good in a filmmaking way, but in a nostalgic, like, oh man, that's cool. They built this whole set. That's neat, man. Good job, everybody. I don't know. I some, something about that <laughs> just makes also, me nostalgic. When uh, when Tim Allen goes into the bank, uh, I couldn't help but notice uh, it's the same bank from The Mask, starring Jim Carrey. Oh man. So so I'm guessing that bank is probably somewhere in Toronto and. Uh, <laughs> Or it's just the bank set that they have. I guess that yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. Here's here's where I want to start. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Twenty two minutes into the episode. Yes. Let's just well, we, start at we the had beginning. To we had to talk about arbitration first. That's yeah yeah of course everything in its due time. Uh, let's start at the beginning uh, with the money 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 montage. <laughs> I. I I agree. I want to. I want to preface that thing by just saying that the version that I watched, I got it off of Amazon Prime, and uh -huh. it. The first thing that I see is the modern Universal Studios logo, <laughs> na -na 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 -na. and then and it's like, <laughs> and it and it's it's like oh really like really inspirational. Okay, cool. I like this. I then get the old Universal Studios opening okay. thing right before it. It's just like okay, so you were given a lot of fanfares and a Did lot you get of stuff for this for for this movie did you get the bubble factory logo oh yes and then i got the bubble factory which is the best production logo in history i want that i want that on my wall let's uh, I, let me I, I got it pulled up here i'm <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm looking uh, to oh it's so good it's it's like a it's like a monty python cartoon yes. kind of like those things that terry gilliam would draw i 
expected a foot to come down and crunch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a bunch or of a rose to pop out of the, the smoke bubbles that are coming uh, out of the factory. But yeah, a bunch of kind of cockney bubbles coming out there grumbling about how hard it is their, their, their day to day. Um, yeah, I, I don't, it's okay. That, but the fact that we get, get two universal studios, epic fanfares, and then this, and then the movie that follows and indeed the scene that follows is just, it's, it's a lot to experience right up front. Um, okay, so just to bring people in, because you're not watching the movie with us, and if you are, stop what you're yeah, doing it, and go immediately. watch. <laughs> go, go watch Fruitvale Station, which is shorter than this movie. Huh. Um, Punch Drunk Love probably makes it under the line, too. Do that one. Th- there you go. Uh, this is just a series of shots to a remix or maybe an extended mix of Money, Money, Money. Um, just, just funky as hell funky and you're just seeing rings falling from the sky and champagne popping and pouring into glasses and big skyscrapers and tuxedos and credit card machines chinking I, I think violins I think broadway signs the, cr- the most going the most crass part of it i think is that there are a lot of shots of just the camera zooming in on a price tag for a thing and yes. the number like there's like someone holds up a garment and then they flip the price tag over and the camera zooms in $3500 or like for a, a, a suit a, a restaurant bill $898 just just to convey the the concept of people spending money <laughs> as if you didn't get that that's what this was about I paused it on a uh, uh, a line item sheet here. Um, uh, large screen TV, eighty six hundred dollars. Uh, massage chair, fifty seven hundred dollars. Uh, one virtual game. Oh, what the fuck that is? Forty two hundred dollars. Twenty four inch speakers, uh, twenty eight hundred dollars. A Sony with an I, <laughs> just so that we don't uh, breach any contracts here. Um, a Sony amp is $3,200 subtotal $24,000. So, so folks, if you're, if you're trying to uh, get on the prices, right. And you're studying up, this is, this is probably the most educational opening credits you can ever watch. Um, and if you're, yeah, go ahead. No, it's just, it's, it's lots of itemized lists of expensive things with the, with the price attached like it's they're not just showing you the wealth there this movie is actually showing you its work they're showing you the accounting behind it and okay so this is basically just money porn right that's was so prevalent in the 90s this is what Mitt Romney thinks about in his most intimate moments yes I read the firm recently uh for the first time and uh, first of many I'm sure they're on the recommendation of Stephen King actually so I read the firm and the beginning setup of it, like you don't get to know much about his character, but there's a moment um, in like two or three chapters in and they're short chapters where the, the firm, uh, the titular firm is oh, offering like from the, the main, title from the title. Is, 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 offering... that, is that like a colloquialism? Is that from culture firms or something? Is that, that would make more sense to me if I knew that. Uh, <laughs> they're offering Mitch, the main character, his position, and in doing so, they're making him an offer he can't refuse, basically. It's, you know, here's all the money you'll make this year, and if you stay with us one year, you'll make this much more next year, and you get a free house with a low down payment uh, or low interest rate, and yada, yada, yada. And as I was reading that, I was like, 
that is one of the defining novels of the 90s to me. <laughs> and something unlocked in my brain where I'm like, oh, I get it. This is the aspirational uh, stuff for boomers. Like, my middle class family would have read that and man put themselves in the main character's shoes going, man, I wish somebody would have made me that offer. Uh, <laughs> or I can't imagine what it would be like to, to, you know, get offered a, a free house and a free car uh, for the first five years. Like that's what this opening is to me is like just a montage of don't you wish you can come all over this. I mean, to, to the point that one of the first things we see is a champagne cork popping <laughs> followed by right. just a, 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 uh, well, yeah, you get what happens when champagne pops. Uh, yeah, this whole th that attitude is throughout this movie. Like, yeah, th they they the movie is broadly making the point that oh, all of their wealth and flashy living is bad. It's not the best thing. But this movie also kind of goes out of its way to kick dirt on the concept of I don't know. Uh, rich people having to pay taxes or just like the IRS just just like <laughs> those fucking nerds at the IRS the IRS wants to like, yeah. Uh, yeah so it, I have it's questions got, about it, the yeah. end of this I have questions about IRS I have a lot of lot of questions yes uh, but I just want to earmark this because uh, there's going to be a point in here when I want to pitch you a different type of movie that this could have been uh, right so let's keep going though uh, yeah okay we, we've talked through that opening yeah. What is the the biggest thing that struck you about this movie? The biggest thing that struck me about this movie, uh, I yeah. mean, uh, the fact that I mean, well, if we're moving from that scene, the the biggest thing that struck me is that Wayne Knight is the very first thing I see in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, getting, first and last get, thing. First and last. What? No, 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 no. The last thing well, I saw okay. was Tim Allen and Kirstie Alley. I'm sorry. Well, he's that, also not the first. The first thing you saw is the Bubble Factory logo, and then a money, money, okay. money porn. Oh, okay, you're okay. Fair. All right, we were both we're both a little right. We're both a little wrong. Let's just go <laughs> ahead with it. I was shocked to see Wayne Knight, and I was also um, I don't know. Look, I was shocked to see Wayne Knight, and I was shocked at at how I, this was a scene where I was like, wow, they directed this more than they needed to, and it's just kind of interesting that they have the camera move up so dramatically, or that the four <laughs> lawyers who are telling Wayne Knight that he, he's been busted for tax evasion and he and his clients need to meet them at their office, they all, like, pick up their briefcases in unison and walk out, and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, it's like I'm watching a musical. This is kind of fun. Yeah. Wayne Knight sweating buckets because he knows uh, he's about to get caught uh, having embezzled a bunch of money uh, from Tim Allen and Kiersey Alley. Kiersey Alley. Name a movie where Wayne Knight is not sweating. You can't um, do it. You can't do it. Hold on. <laughs> it's going to be a two-hour podcast when we try to think of one. <laughs> I was going to I was gonna say Space Jam, but uh, he no. clearly sweats in that just yeah. getting out of his uh, workout shorts. Is he? Um, exactly, exactly. Tarzan. He did the voice in Tarzan. I don't think he was sweating mm. through the phone or through the recording booth. Okay, well, you don't know that for sure, so so I don't think that really counts. B, if the character he's playing is sweating, and if the character he's voicing is sweating, that counts. <laughs> okay, uh, he plays Stan in Dirty Dancing. I don't remember that, but uh, uh, provided I, he's not dancing dirty in it, uh, I think maybe he doesn't sweat in that. But but if it's a Havana night, 
even if he's it's standing not. completely still. <laughs> well, I, this is the. I, I want to say this about Wayne Knight. I want to slow us okay. down so I can brief. So I can just talk about Wayne Knight, who is the the best part of this movie. Um, I have watched so many movies from the '90s where Wayne Knight is like a devious little weasel who's up to something, and I just yeah. never get. I I never get tired of it. I he is so good every time. Re- in rewatching Seinfeld, I'm just discovering a whole new appreciation for Newman and how completely over the top Newman is. It, like, yeah. I, I, Wayne Knight, and that he's I not think a, is just that he's special. not afraid to make fun of himself either. Like, it no, took no, me no. like I was very late uh, to watching Basic Instinct and mm-hmm. to be so familiar with him doing the Basic Instinct parody on Seinfeld, only to find out that he plays the character. <laughs> In Basic Instinct that he was parodying in Seinfeld blew my mind. That's that's really that's when you lap yourself as an actor and you both originate the iconic thing <laughs> and then and then are able to parody it. I mean, Sharon yeah. Stone had a part to play too. Um, yeah, I think and he would that, go on to uh, to star with Tim Allen again uh, only two years later in Toy Story two. Tr- true, yes, that character is sweating. You know, he's sweating when he's if he's out there collecting his eBay toys. Um, also, I read that he got the role in Jurassic Park specifically off of that one scene yeah. that he's in yes. in Basic Instinct. That that so his and then ability... it was the first cast. <laughs> yes, the, the, so the fact that Steven Spielberg, a that Steven Spielberg is seeing Paul Verhoeven movies in theaters, love it, King. <laughs> but then, then not in theaters. He's getting a private screening of that. Mm, yeah, you bet. And it, that yeah, I was, I was just there's this one scene that I watched again and again and again and again and again, and I noticed in my many viewings because I love the cinematography of it that the, the Wayne Knight, that actor, was so great. He had to be Nedry because he, he has he to sweat. sweat. Did he sweat in Rat Race? Oh, he's absolutely sweating in Rat Race, dude. He's running for half the movie. Anybody be sweating? <laughs> okay, all right. I just I think that Wayne Knight is the Philip Seymour Hoffman of Weasley guys who are up to something. I will watch him in anything. And I also found out reading about him on Wikipedia. A, he lives in my neighborhood, which is cool, like or well adjacent to my neighborhood in a much nicer part of my neighborhood. And B. Uh, after he worked on Broadway for a while, uh, in the early eighties, he worked as a private investigator for five yes, years. That is amazing. So I, I'm just saying uh, every moment that I'm looking at Wayne Knight in this movie, I'm thinking like, t- I, t- I want the movie about you, the biopic about you being a private eye. Like, can you, <laughs> can you imagine like being a dude in, in New York in the early eighties, who's like cheating on his wife and you're out with your mistress and then you realize you're being photographed and the guy lowers the camera and it's fucking Newman. And then he runs Listen. and gets in a car and you get divorced because of Newman. <laughs> I realize I've moved to Wisconsin and I am now uh, a homeowner here. If Flex. that movie, if you write the movie and get it produced, I will come back to Hollywood to star in the the biopic of Wayne Knight. Okay, I mean, I th- and that's cool. I just I kind of think I might be writing that as more of a Wayne Knight vehicle because I already am friends with you and I want to be friends with Wayne Knight and we can oh, just okay. de-age him. He we can be, can be a producer Irishman him, a consultant. Yeah, yeah, he could be a producer on it. and He also star in it. Orson Welles. Shit. Okay, so you were. Uh, Taken by Wayne Knight, who I also was excited to see, but then disappointed at how little he's in the movie. Uh, he yes. probably has less screen time than we spent talking about him. Um, that, that is probably true, but he made much better use of the time than we made talking about him. 
Also in this scene, talking to Wayne Knight, the man who says we will be back here in the morning, the man who works for the IRS. Mm-hmm. I am shocked that you didn't recognize him. Uh, that is the one and only Sticks. That's right, Miguel A. Nunez Jr. from Leprechaun Four in Space. Oh, of course. Yes, <laughs> Sticks. Now, remind me, was Sticks the one who pisses on the Leprechaun's head? No, no, no. Six is the one that makes it to the end. He's the one that, uh, oh. uh, yeah, he's one of the three that are, you know, he's going to be at the, he's going to be the best man at the wedding. <laughs> Shit. Leprechaun, Leprechaun 4 in space is like the, the immediately before for Richard Rapporer in his filmography. It's possible he <laughs> shot these in the same year. Um, yeah. And I don't know how much I went into him, uh, on the, uh, on the Leprechaun episode, but he is a mainstay of horror. Uh, having probably the worst death in horror history, being killed on the crapper in the worst of the Friday the 13th movies, uh, Friday the 13th, The New Beginning, um, but also played Spider in uh, Return of the Living Dead, which was an amazing movie and amazing role for him. Um, He had a lot of early horror films, so clearly he's near and dear to my heart. Um, I was happy to see him here, only to be kind of gutted to see how they utilized him throughout. Yes, uh, I, I just very quickly will point out, you got salty with me for mentioning Boogie Nights earlier, but we talk about Leprechaun 4 and the Friday the 13th <laughs> movies an awful lot on this podcast. So I'm, just, we, you know, we're, we're both just trying to keep up. Okay, um, all right. They tell him, yeah, they tell him uh, you've been you've been embezzling and tax evading and, and you and your client need to, show up and, and fess up to us. And right. the long and short of it is that Wayne Knight's client, Tim Allen, at, well, Tim Allen and uh, and Kirstie Alley, uh, do not know that he's been embezzling from them, and Wayne Knight is keeping from this from them. And so we then go yeah. and we see them at a banquet. Then actually, you know, you know, I'll, I'll talk about this bit when we uh, when we come around to it. So, what do you think? You know, we meet. Well, we're the, not going. We're, we're not we're going not chronologically. Going to, no, we're, we're not going chronologically. Around. Yeah, yeah. Let's, no. Okay, let's jump around and and get down. I, I'm so used to the chronological. Uh, if you set me down, I, I'll just do it. If you don't stop me, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So let's just let's. Uh, I don't know. Just hit a few of the the greatest hits of the of Act One. So yes, they're at this gala, and clearly. Uh, it's all a front, right? I mean, they have a shitty marriage, yes. Uh, but they're they're putting on airs for their friends, their socialites, because they have to they have to maintain the image of a happy couple. Yeah, um, they're tr- yeah, they're trying to they're trying to sell some new property development that's like a Bible themed or a religion themed uh, Disneyland, and they're clearly just very crass, yeah. greedy people. Holy Land. Let's Holy talk Land. about that for six hours. <laughs> Okay, this is a moment. Holy Land was was a, th- was a second where I thought, wait, is this movie actually, if not well written, at least written in a way I would write a movie? Because <laughs> there are so many one off jokes about Holy Land that are, that are actually wordplay that made me laugh and sounded like the kind of shit that I would put in the notes file on my phone. Like he's talking about <laughs> he's talking about the different features at Holy Land. You can go to the Bedouin breakfast. Uh, the, uh, Tora, 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 the water slide. And for Japanese guests, Tora, 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 the water slide. A little bit racist, but the wordplay is, is good. I'm, I'm not condoning the joke. It's, I don't know. There's just these little bits and I'm like, man, they're, they, they reverse engineered the Holy Land from having lines like these, I feel like. And yeah. I, I don't know, but I kind of appreciate it. So I, I want to like 
peel back some of the the foil wrapper here because I feel like underneath it is a, like a a blacklist script, something that was floating around Hollywood for a while uh, that like they just shimmied the, the Amish conceit in there um, mm-hmm. where or or maybe, you know, there was this script going around because we need to draw the immediate comparison to, to witness as they call out even themselves yeah. at mm-hmm. a certain point where like someone was probably wrote an R rated uh, uh, comedy version of witness. And this is what it is. There's like. Uh- it feels like there's a darker movie kind of hovering underneath the surface here. And yeah. the the character we're introduced here, the 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 Tim Allen, Brad Sexton, <laughs> who uh is unveiling Holy Land, mm-hmm. is not a character that can be redeemed. You start him so low and so assholey that there's no way to get to where we end up at the end of this movie in a yeah. believable way. And uh, yeah, it start. Both of these characters are so deplorable that I want, like, I don't mind this opening, but the trajectory of the story is not what I want. I want to see their complete and utter demise. This needs to be a, yeah. Like starting characters off like this only works if it is like a black comedy about yeah, them. Like a Scrooge. destroying themselves. Yeah. Like, yeah. Something like that. But when it's, you immediately are like, I don't want this guy who's trying to monetize every world religion in a theme park. I I don't, I don't want this guy to have a happy ending. I don't want his life to go well. (laughs) And (laughs) no, not at all. And also, none of But it's also not believable that he would ever have a revelation about, you know, uh, uh, God and and family and love and marriage and all that shit. The, the the kind of the kind of experience you need to have to jolt him out of this worldview is a lot more jarring than spending two weeks working on a farm uh, like that's yeah. yeah to your point about this being this being somebody wrote an, an hour long or like a, a dark comedy version of witness or something and and this movie getting smashed into it I I will say Kingpin came out the year before this and I was thinking mm-hmm. as I watched the movie like there there was a real pocket of like Amish exploitation in in like <laughs> 90s American comedies these are the only you're two not that wrong. I think of right now but I feel like I've just seen a lot I think well, there's a lot of it on TV too it wasn't even comedy uh, yeah I'm sure there's a lot of TV episodes about it in fact there is a X-Files episode about this um, oh there you go where there's a lot of similar like there's a guy pining for a girl and uh um, but this goes back to the 80s because obviously there's Witness, but uh, there's also the Wes Craven film Deadly Blessing. Uh, oh, yeah. Which I, horror film, I have to call it out. Um, I just th- I thought of another one, though, from the 90s, the Amish Paradise video for Weird Al <laughs> released released in 1996. Amish Paradise. There was, you go. So, I mean, th- yeah, it's part of it. C- keep going. Keep going. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I can. Wasn't there a, a Amish family that North goes to? Oh yeah, I'm 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 sure I'm sure I don't I've it's been it's been long enough since I've seen North and I put a lot of it out of my head, yeah. Um, but it wouldn't it wouldn't be a shock. Okay, um, uh, here I, yeah. I, I don't want to spend too much more time at this gala, but I just want to point out one why this film doesn't work. Yes, uh, Tim is showing off the Holy Land. And, you know, he hits a 
a switch and like all the things are rotating and going off on its rails. And, you know, you're pulling from the Tim Allen persona, which is or the Tim Taylor persona, I should say, because like at a certain point, um, one of the, the model roller coasters sets on fire and goes off the tracks and a spark sets a judge's uh, dress on fire. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason for that uh, outside of it's Tim Allen. There's no repercussions for it either. She gets like huffy and walks off saying, oh, you're deplorable. Um, the judge that is the judge that comes back at the end of the movie. Yes. To hear his case. Yes. And the opening isn't even mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> she she well, it, it might as well just be a character who has never met uh, Tim Allen in this movie. Well, no, I mean, like, I think it's for the gag of like, oh, no, this is the judge. This lady hates me. Um I think that like they comment they on play it. into that though. They they raise an eyebrow or say something like, Hey, good to see you or something like that. They make clear that they know each other. It just isn't it doesn't really do anything with it. Though. No, 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 it doesn't do anything. I'm just saying it's not like they, the greater purpose is like, boy, wouldn't that be a funny moment? Which uh, it, I guess it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. You just hit on something that this whole film does for me, which is, or doesn't do for me, which is the illusion of comedy. There is like there are the beats there, but there's no juice behind them. It's like uh, yeah, yes, someone it, uh, this film. Okay, I don't think this is an actual moment in the movie. Granted, I watched this in seven <laughs> different chunks. But this movie has the the what? I don't I don't think this is an actual moment in the movie. Is a great way to preface an opinion about the movie. Well, please go on. It's, this is the 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 vibe of the movie. Is I got it. I got it. I got it. I don't got it. Oh yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> whether whether it's you know tilling the land, whether it's eating food, like mm-hmm. the Amish don't eat weird food. <laughs> yeah, they eat they eat simple food, but it's not like they eat. Yeah, it, everything about it is mean. A lot of the comedy yes. is derived from people being mean to each other. Tim Allen and Kirstie Alley being really mean to each other. And it's like, yeah. the, the the way, the things that they're saying to each other, both when they're first fighting in their penthouse after the gala and in every scene together throughout the movie, they are, be, they're, <laughs> until they're being, not. being very, until they're not, they're being very effective at saying, cutting really rude things to one another and selling them convincingly. But the things they're Mm -hmm. saying aren't really funny. So it just feels, it feels very hostile and you kind of feel on edge watching it. And then the movie, it's like, so there's that which passes for comedy. And then a lot of the physical comedy is in itself kind of cruel or crude. It's either like, Oh, they fell in the mud. Oh, they're in pain. Oh, Tim Allen is tired and is being served food that is making him visibly nauseous, and Kirstie Alley is loving it. I'm having a moment. I'm having oh, a moment yeah. right now. Okay. A Montclair moment? You're lighting up? Go go with me on this uh, for a moment and see where we go. It might be nowhere, um, or it might be into a pond with a bunch of ducks looking at us. Is there a taxi in the pond already? <laughs> because if so, we've made a breakthrough in our podcast. Here's <laughs> Here's what I'm wondering. Um, there's the passive aggressiveness that defines relationships of the boomer era. Yes. Right? Yes. Is this a way for boomer people to have written it and think it's funny to laugh at themselves by amplifying the, the, the negativity and the, the sheer hatred that they have for their, their partners? Uh, 
by laughing at it? Like, let's just, you know, spinal tap this to 11 and call it comedy when it's really just a very disgusting mirror reflected back at them. And that our generation being separated from it looks at it and just goes, what is this? It's not funny and it's awful to watch. Yeah, I mean... Well, again, if you want to get into the 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 why of of Tim Allen in a lot of regards, I think a lot of the comedy that he was doing, like in his stand up or his books and the stuff that kind of in some ways got worked into home improvement is a lot of that. It is comedy that starts with a sense of grievance or a sense of, you know, just like being upset about, you know, something and and kind of just complaining about it or dressing it down in a very visceral way, which, yeah. you know, I which I think they were able to moderate for home improvement to some success. But I feel like that was part of something broader in culture that I think is sort of <laughs> reflected here of like, yeah, just just be just be hateful because that's what we've, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's yeah. making sense or if that's no, dry, it is painting it is. with maybe it, too broad a brush because I think I'm a pretty hateful person, too. I'm not saying that it's a generational <laughs> boomer thing. I'm just saying that the cruelty seems no, but, to be kind of the point. But bottling it up and and not expressing it in a healthy way to your partner like th- that generation doesn't see that as unhealthy. They just see that as the way that you communicate. And so when they see it reflected this way, where it's like pure hatred for one another they can laugh at it and go haha that's not us you know you know but it is yeah (laughs) it is a reflection of their their mentality and and on that point of just like communication this this is a movie where spoiler alert you know they they hate each other they're about to get a divorce but then because of this whole tax situation they they flee and they're they're off with the amish and in the process of being with the amish the amish give them relationship advice and they uh, work their relationship out, but we never actually, it's not like they learn to start communicating with each other better no. or like, it, it's nothing, it's nothing like that. It's basically each of them does one nice thing for the other one and they have sex and then they're, and then they're not being mean to each <laughs> other anymore. So there's it, the, something, this is bringing it up now. Uh, okay. So we're, we're, we, we've skipped the part of the introducing the Amish people, you know, the Amish community, but, uh, but you you get the, it. You've this, seen Witness. You've seen the Amish Phil, Paradise video. <laughs> what you just described is, in, when you c- combine it with this idea of this '90s magical realism that was so ubiquitous mm-hmm. that I think it exists even in this movie, but doesn't draw. It, it was just like the way you made movies. It almost didn't draw attention to itself. For instance, when they arrive on the farm for the first time, the wind changes and there's this weird thing in the air where everyone is looking in the same direction all of a sudden as they come into town. It's yeah, they give they give it such a big kind of like capital M moment. It's like, well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> yeah. here's the setup. Let's watch the fireworks. And a then new wind later, is blowing in. <laughs> later, when they start to like actually connect again, Tim Allen and and Kirstie Alley, there's this like the moment in Liar Liar where his son makes the wish, and there's this like tinkle in the in the soundtrack to make you feel like oh, there's magic in the air. It's going mm-hmm. out into the ether. And things are gonna change. Like they take that idea, that magical idea, and just embed it into like yeah, no, this is just what happens. <laughs> things just <laughs> magically solve themselves. Uh, <laughs> That yeah. makes it somehow like you don't question it as an audience member, or at least you didn't in 1997. Uh, 
I, and I, that's how they magically get resolved in this episode, or this this movie. I, it, yeah, I mean, I, I guess in the movie's defense, nobody's buying tickets for richer or poorer because they want to see Marriage Story. Like maybe it's maybe it's wrong to expect <laughs> to expect a comedy with Tim Allen and Kirstie Alley to be, yeah. uh, you know, some some really bracing uh, portrait of a marriage and and how two yeah. people work things this out. <laughs> scenes from a Marriage Part Two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, see, scenes from a Marriage goes to Amish country. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, I mean, okay. that, that is kind of Sarah Bond, which is the sequel to Scenes from a Marriage. But I'm not going to get in my Ingram Bergman. Uh, I already, I, I'm already doing horror films on this, so he, he, I got to draw got, a line somewhere. He got salty with me over talking about Boogie Nights, and here's this Berg head just Bergen all over the place. Um, so okay, so uh, they hate each other. They're they're rude to each other. They have this big argument at the penthouse. We come to find out then, uh, like at, at the office the next day, Wayne Knight is trying to skedaddle out the back door, uh, but uh, Tim Allen is talking to him. But then uh, they are together when the IRS arrives, and to Wayne Knight has not told Tim Allen he's in trouble. Wayne Knight then orchestrates on the fly a frame up to make the IRS agents think that Tim Allen was behind okay. all of the money the the embezzling I, and stuff and then a chase ensues I was gonna, I, I, I was going to I was going to stop you from the chronological but I only allowed it cuz I want to get to this car chase scene but you there was also buried in there a moment uh, the the make the the frame up on the fly that I I have questions about <laughs> first and foremost and secondly um it mirrors another moment when they arrive at the amish farm which is the same same kind of unquestioning pivot point which is why are we going in this direction uh, yes yes uh, wow. why why the, i mean the irs should know that you have a cpa and that the cpa is culpable for doing shit like the frame up makes no sense. Uh, it, you know, it, it paints out the IRS to be bumbling agents. Obviously, it, it it requires a lot of real credulity on the part of these two IRS agents to hear one thing said by a person yeah. who's a suspect in the case and assume that oh, that's truthful. That's yeah. let's start shooting people based on this. And we'll we'll get to the problematic fire at will uh, moment in just a second. But oh, there's going to be uh, a debate there. <laughs> the the other pivotal moment is when Tim Allen and Kirstie Alley crash into the pond, arrive on Amish, you know, the Amish farm. And like, where was the decision to go? Yeah, let's hide out here. It was just mm -hmm. like they've arrived and thus they must stay. There was no conversation about it. There was no like, I get like what a great way to disguise ourselves, but they don't really come to that conclusion until like day three. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it seems to be that, that it's just like, well, we're here, we're in Amish country. We have to pretend to be Amish and stay on a farm because sleeping outside, we kind of had stiff backs. It's much easier to just concoct fake identities, pretend to be Amish uh, and, and impersonate these people for a few weeks while we wait for, something i don't know what like I don't know this, what the, either the phone call with lawyer equals we don't have to be amish anymore <laughs> i 
All I want to say, and the re- the only reason I, I was going in the chronological on that is because this is something that is eating me up inside with regards to okay. Wayne Knight's character and a major okay. plot point in the movie. This whole movie's deal is that Tim Allen and Kirstie Alley are, they are greedy, sleazy, dishonest people. They are, mm-hmm. they are symbols of everything that is the, the worst about a culture of consumption. Um... But oh no, they're they're not they're not cheating on their taxes though. This other guy who's who is not conventionally attractive, th- this guy over here who's in three scenes, he's actually the bad guy. So really, Tim Allen and Kirstie Alley, these two incredibly wealthy, mean people who, you know, clearly are swindling everyone around yeah. them. Uh, they're, no, they're, they're the good guys. They're not doing anything bad. This guy's the bad guy. Yeah, like I don't know. It's, there's a fundamental like, issue there. Why do we have to go so far? There's a fundamental issue just in a storytelling level. Why do we have to go so far to build in this elaborate notion of of their accountant being crooked when it's when the audience will immediately buy that these people are crooked and it's then yeah. an actual sense of comeuppance? We, we don't need this extra layer to, like, insulate them. We already think no. they're shitty people. Finding out they've been cheating on their taxes will not change my opinion of them. On the flip side, though... Maybe I'm being influenced by Michael Lerner, who plays uh, Tim Allen's attorney in this, Mm -hmm. uh, who was nominated for an Oscar for Barton Fink. If there was a Coen Brothers-esque movie about these rich assholes fucking each other over in the the upper crust world, I would want to watch that movie. Sure, yeah, absolutely. But that movie is going to end with them all dying, though. And, and exactly. So, so there's a sense of comeuppance. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, I, that's what, kind of what I mean. Is like y- the half of this movie could work. Uh, take out the Amish part, for one thing. And <laughs> take just, out like, the thing on the poster. <laughs> let's watch a caper of a shitty Wayne Knight character embezzling and trying to get away and the shitty... Tim Allen character having to deal with shitty IRS agents yeah. uh, and just watch them all slowly de- devour one another. Yeah. Like, look, uh, just give me a movie about Wayne Knight on the run being chased by the most overzealous IRS agent in the world who loves to <laughs> shoot tax evaders. <laughs> do you think when he escapes, because he comes back in a Hawaiian shirt, do you think he <laughs> escapes to an alternate identity where he's a, a computer hacker and meeting with uh, uh, people in, in, you know, tropical locations to get DNA. I, I like to think that the end of this movie is not canon, and instead just him at the beginning of the movie taking <laughs> off with the money is the prequel to Jurassic Park. Like, he goes to DeVry, he learns to code, he gets yep. a job at Jurassic Park, he gets into debt again, he loses all of the money he stole from Tim Allen, gets into debt so he has to take the job from the guy getting the embryos from Jurassic Park. <laughs> and then Do that goes he... bad. Do you think Brian Spicer was like, I know the first person I want to cast in this movie. (laughs) I saw Jurassic Park. Get me Wayne Knight. (laughs) Oh, man. It was just this one scene that I was watching over and over and over again because the directing was so good. Oh, my God. Brian Spicer has a, uh, you know, has a weird (laughs) fetish for watching guys get uh, killed by small dinosaurs that spit acid. Okay. We need to talk about the car chase. This is insane. Um, okay, Miguel Nunez Jr. is the one that's kind of investigating this, but the second that Wayne Knight escapes, uh, a new IRS agent is on the scene, played Lester. by 
<laughs> played by famed character actor and comedian Larry Miller, who yep. just appears in um uh, I'm trying to think of his character's name, Frank Hall, uh in Miguel Nunez's car. Yes. Just, Hilarious. Like, like Clint Eastwood with a man with no name appearing on the sunset, uh <laughs> appears in this movie toting Dirty Harry's gun. Yes. Uh, Truman, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to start with the scene, with this character, with this through line. Where do we go? Okay, look, Lester, I'm just letting you know, uh, Agent Lester is the hero of the movie for me. He is the IRS agent who really wants to shoot a rich person who cheats on their taxes. We must stan. <laughs> He's great. Anti-capitalist hero, IRS <laughs> inspector Derek Lester. I love him. Um, he, uh, yeah, he. I, I love how he just appears... And the, the, the main thing that I was thinking about him the whole time he's talking is like, this part was written for the Croyd. Or if not, <laughs> the, the listen, Larry Miller's wow. great in this. I oh really my like, God. I really like it. But no, this is exactly, I was talking about this in the Soul Man episode. This is the character the Croyd was born to play. Yes. A completely insane bureaucrat, uh, just out of his goddamn gourd, violently crazy, but very obsessed with rules. That is the Croyd to okay. a T. Picture this. We're changing the movie a little bit more. Uh, yes. Again, get rid of the Amish thing. Maybe it could be a detour, partly. <laughs> you, but you really you, hate like what this movie is about. You hate. I do. Sixty-seven <laughs> percent of this movie. I do. I do. Uh, you cast Dan Aykroyd in that part, and we create a more midnight run scenario of Dan Aykroyd chasing Bill Murray, who's on the run for tax evasion. Oh, and can Wayne Knight still be in it? <laughs> yes, of course, Wayne Knight can okay, still good. be in it. Yes. Good. I like that. Okay, now that I love. That that movie fucks. I want to see that movie. <laughs> okay, great. Um we can still but, maybe we still have a cameo of uh Harold Ramis as a uh, an Amish person when Bill Murray's like trying to uh, you know, you know, look, camp out for a second. Let me Okay, th this is the thing. It's yeah, it's that movie and yeah, there's like one scene in Amish country. There's like mm -hmm. 10 to 15 minutes of the movie maybe less than that of Bill Murray trying to blend in and pretend to be Amish. The Croyd shows up and then like the scene ends with Bill Murray running away with his fake beard falling off and his hat flying away and the Croyd chasing him on a horse or something. And then it's, and then it's the next scene. Yeah. Y yep. You know, one of the places where he tries to blend in probably is going to wind up being kind of racist by today's standards. Cause I'm assuming this movie is made from the same time period. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yep. Uh, so, so yeah, the, but it is insane though. This car chase, no, no reason for it to be here. It, and it's nope. just great that they did it, that they could. And there's the big deus ex machina here where Tim Allen steals a taxi cab and that's what, you know, how they're car to car. Uh, and at a certain point he stops at a red light and, uh, Kirstie Kier Alley gets in the back seat uh and so that's how they get together to go to amish country landon landon can i can i confess something to you what i, I actually kind of liked that it's dumb I, the whole taxi cab thing I, when he when tim allen gets in the back seat like oh good go 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 and then realize there's no one in the front seat that kind of got me that's that part his, no that's super funny, funny. i i yeah. love that i love that also i should point out you know, pounding on the seat go 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 and there's no one in the taxi then sees the taxi driver standing nearby like his id is up in the window and it's a middle yeah. eastern guy named you know malik or something <laughs> and he's talking on the phone and i immediately brace myself for like 
oh yeah, god, me what too. racism are we gonna do? And then Mal- you know, he's yelling at Malik to get in the car, and Malik yells back in a strong, like Queen's accent. Hey, like, what are you doing? Get on my fuck car! Fuck you! Hey, I'm on my break! <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, that's nice. That's good. Well done, movie. He didn't really have a joke, but just you didn't make him into an awful caricature. I'm I'm happy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but, but he, but okay, but like him, <laughs> but Cruz Diala getting in the in the cab though, just randomly out of all the city, like thinking that it's a. Game. I, I, that's that reminds like, me. They're of... They're not even in a good part of New York. What the fuck was she doing there? I. But it's like it's when you're already in a movie that is operating on a certain screwball logic, you yeah. are allowed to do that. B. It makes me think of some of my favorite bits of Hudson Hawk, where like he like is fleeing from somebody and he like f- flies off of a truck and flies through an awning and lands in a seat at the restaurant where he's going to meet Andy McDowell. And she's <laughs> right the, there. And that's the moment where, where he goes, <laughs> like he shakes I, his head back and forth and you get that cartoon noise. I, I think, I think it was. And it's also the moment when I'm watching the movie and I go, because I'm having my <laughs> mind broken by, by good transitions. I don't know. I just, I just want to say that was cool. I like that. I, I give the movie a pass for that. Okay. See, yeah, point, I, I do too. Like, I can, I can buy into that country. suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Oh, and one other thing. One other thing okay. before we depart for Amish country. Early on, when he's first talking to Wayne Knight at the, at the, uh, uh, at his office, he pulls out this this brand new satellite phone that I can use to make calls from anywhere, and it pops open and everything. And I'm I'm seeing this, and I'm like. Ah, okay. So this is going to come back in the third act. He's going to need to call for help, and he's going to have this phone. Okay. Well, that's very subtle movie. Thank you. And then he has that phone out, and Agent Lester shoots the phone out of his hand, and that's it. That's they they made a good. A point. That's a wrap on the phone. Thanks everyone. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Th- give him a hand. Great job. Great job. Um, that's the whole thing, though. Like they they made a point of having him introduce this phone and talk about this phone just so it could get shot out of his hand. He never calls for help. He never. Uh, it's. I don't know. It's very. Yeah, interesting. it was completely useless. There's a lot of useless things in this. Like, like the like the protagonists. Oh boy, uh, I bring this up now just because it's the stinger of the entire movie where he asks his receptionist to get him his pocket watch or something, and. He opens the pocket yes. watch and looks in the back of it. We don't see what's in the back of it. And he says, don't look in the back of it. And it's the weirdest moment. I'm like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, and it's only meant to curious. like imply that he's keeping a nudie photo in the back. I don't quite get it. Because at the end of the movies, I guess, spoiler alert, he gives the watch as a kind gesture to um, uh, Samuel Yoder, the, the head of the you know uh, family, basically. Amish family, yeah. Amish uh, dad, as I called him. We got to talk about J.O. Sanders as well, but uh, he, in, in due time. Uh, he gives it to him as like a thank you. Uh, he barters for it. And uh, he's like, don't look in the back of it. And then he walks off. And of course, he looks in the back of it and gets embarrassed. He's like, oh boy, look, oh, look what I see in this. But we never see what's in the back of it. It's like such I, a, 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 oh my God. It's just so lazy. It's just lazy I, and, and it angers me. Yeah, like, and also, I mean... Like, you couldn't even just... I would have taken us seeing what's in it, but, like, being a bikini model or something. Like, don't make it a nudie photo. (laughs) Well, also, it's just... It's not even really a joke because it's never factored in that he's carrying porn around in his his grandfather's stopwatch. Also, we... (laughs) I totally didn't recognize the significance of the stopwatch until the end. Uh, The deep emotional significance. Just like the phone, they introduce it once and then never address it again. Truman, this put me in mind of something else I want to bring up here. Uh, okay. Why? Okay. 
I get it. it it's a PG thirteen movie. No, they no, say, it's a, they say fuck a lot. They say fuck once. They only once, really? Only once. It's Kirsty Alley or Kirsty Alley in the the very beginning. Yeah, thank you. Uh, when she's walking out of the room and says fuck off or something like that. Oh, okay. Uh, but they say shit so many times in this movie. Uh, it's the 90s, baby. That it was, I mean, it's one of my favorite words in the world, but it was glaring how many times they were using it. It was almost like Tim Allen had it in his contract to go, I want to start veering away as home improvement is starting to wind down. I want to start veering away from the family guy, uh, you know, image. Can I start injecting some... <laughs> more of some... a family guy image. <laughs> Uh, can I start injecting some more swear words into my movies? I mean, they say shit so many times. Yeah, it is. It is an awful. It is an awful lot of swearing. Like it was kind of jarring to me to hear because so much of the time Tim Allen is doing so much of his regular Tim Taylor shtick that um, that it almost feels like you're watching a Home Improvement episode. And then to hear him say shit or something, it just you know kind of jolts you a little. Uh, side note. Yeah. What if this was Tim Allen and Patricia Richardson? <laughs> well, that was the thing I was writing about early on is that like the the conceit of this movie seems to be okay, basically it's his character from Home Improvement if he was really rich and he's not paired up with someone who I like. That's <laughs> it's turning all the sliders uh in a direction that I don't like, basically. It's just yeah. making making yeah. all of the worst things worse. <laughs> um I'm looking at the uh quotes on imdb i wanted to see if i could get a sense of how many times they say shit but uh i'm just struck by one quote here uh from grandpa yoder morning <laughs> okay so someone, someone decided to put that as a quote I, but now that to be fair that is a running gag i wrote it down is, yes I, I wrote down from that that car chase my favorite uh quote is when a police car starts chasing tim allen in addition to the irs and tim says oh great now the cops are chasing me Mm. Mm. Oh, so good. Oh, <laughs> chef's kisses off both hands. Oh, amazing. Um, okay, but so they're they're in Amish country. They they get the plan like he overhears the, the in in the store about that these Amish people have some cousins coming and they go to these this Amish family. I, I, I think you're giving cousins. them too much credit. I don't think unless I missed something. I don't think that was the case. I think they just showed up on this farm because they were on the farm. No, Landon. Am I, I, am I missing something? Yeah. When uh, listen, you 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 get things from the movie when you watch it all in one sitting of for richer or poorer. Uh, <laughs> Only to, when or done it to when he is first in when he's first going into the general store to try and call his lawyer. He overhears the Yoders in there talking about or like if not the Yoders, then some of their friends talking about, oh, yes, the Yoder family, they have these two cousins they've never met who are coming to town in, in a couple months. And wow, so that's how an exposition idea. drop just like that? Oh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it was about, I was about as artful as as, as that one. Uh, okay. So, yeah, but so anyway, they're out there and they, they go and they start living with these Amish people. And that's basically, that's basically the movie. Now, you basically know the rest of the movie. That's about as chronological okay. as it gets. So that makes it a little well, I mean, it still doesn't answer the question as to why they decide to do this as opposed to just like go go into that's why why the Amish? <laughs> There's yeah. so many other people in this town just like hang low. Is being it, in this town gonna be that much different than being on an Amish farm? I, I mean, yeah, like also it could you could just like walk for another day and go to a town that's not Amish. I mean, there's other uh, like if you okay, we don't have any money. 
all right, can you like figure, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that it would be a lot, even from putting myself in their shoes, it would be a lot easier to like try and steal something and pawn yeah. it and use that to get a cheap motel than it is to concoct a fake identity and pretend to be Amish for weeks at a time. That's worse yeah. in every, you you know what being Amish is, both of you. You know you're going to hate this. You know they wake up early. You know that, like they're famous okay, for well, all of these things. Clearly, you know a lot. Let me ask you this, because uh, this I don't understand. They show up on the farm wearing Amish clothes. Yes. They're ill-fitting. But where do they get them from? The the Amish clothes, the way I was looking at this, they try to make it like they're their, they've repurposed some of their own clothes or they're like, I, I don't even really know. There's probably a scene that got mercifully cut to, that kept this from seeing this, but she's like repurposed <laughs> like some we, just We black have to sweater. make this less than Citizen Kane. Cut yeah. three minutes out of it. What scene can go? <laughs> we, we have to show that we are tighter and more concise filmmakers than Orson Welles. Um... <laughs> But like he's, I think he's just wearing an over oversized, you know, you know, suit jacket. Of course, then raises the question of how they how they got even those garments. But yeah, I it's because she's wearing a bonnet. Like I mean, yeah, I don't know. He's wearing an oversized hat. It's none of it makes sense. Here's what I want to I want to say this. I want to say this. Okay, I don't know enough about Amish culture to comment on authenticity or. Um, uh, you know, anything in a, a legit enough way beyond what the movie gives me the text for. Yes. That said, if I were writing a movie, I would hope <laughs> that I would do the research to know. I don't feel like... <laughs> Granted, this film, I think, does a little bit better job of at least paying dignity to the characters and culture, even if it is, you know being used as a springboard for a fish out of water story than something like, uh, I don't know. Um, Kingpin. <laughs> oh, well, so here for me, like, I think this movie actually, well, I, I mean, first off automatically lower your expectations. It's a nineties comedy. So we shouldn't, you know, already great on a curve. I think that this, <laughs> I think that this movie does a pretty okay job in terms of like, this may not be 100% accurate portrayal of the Amish. It's not like I'm King Amish over here. I didn't, I yeah. did not in fact grow up Amish. Uh, sorry if people thought that I, I was because of my, because <laughs> of my outdated expressions sometimes. Um, but I think, you know, all the Amish characters are ultimately portrayed as like, you know, wise and industrious and inherently good people who, you know, transform these awful shitty people. Like the movie very much is saying, oh, these are good people. And maybe you laugh at them for being simple, but they know some things and they can teach us all a lesson. Like that's, yeah, but the movie does that. I don't but like then, is the, I don't like the savior aspect of it of like, but we can teach them a thing or two as well. Yes, I don't like that, and what I also don't like is that then, in the end of the movie, biggest spoiler alert, weirdest spoiler alert, they, the, the, the patriarch of the family tells them, oh, we knew you weren't Amish all along. We, we, A, we needed help on the farm, and B, we could see you guys needed some help, too. So it kind of makes them manic pixie dream Amish, where it just suggests <laughs> that 
this this very old, very traditional religious sect, very insular, very private, very guarding of their traditions. They they have really no issue about everybody just agreeing to go along and bring in two outsiders, let them lie to them, yeah. let them change fundamental tenets and traditions of their community, just sort of on a goof because, yeah, yeah, it looks like it'll be good for them. They need this from us. We're, we're happy to give it. And to deplorable characters, too. I yeah like I it would be it would be uncomfortable even if they were good people but then even when they <laughs> I don't know so that's the that's so it's it's not this movie saying that that Amish people are somehow backwards I think they don't do that this movie is instead saying Amish people live for nothing but to serve us the English like it's it, it's Awful. Let's take a detour. I want to take a detour. For, uh, okay. Look, uh, wait, look out. Cow. No. We're going <laughs> to crash into a lake. Splash. Oh, um, no. There's no taxi cab. This means we're here for the first time. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about the uh, heads of the Yoder family, um, Samuel and his wife, Lavinia. Yeah. Uh, you mess with the heads, you're dead. Yeah. J.O. Sanders. And did you recognize Lavinia? No, I did not. Megan Kavanaugh, that's right, Judy from this season of Home Improvement. Oh man, Judy with the rat. Oh man, I knew I Megan. Ka- I knew the name. I knew I'd heard you say that name. Fuck, Judy's rat. <laughs> Marla Hooch. Yes. Okay. There we go. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what? Okay. Shit. Do you think that's Landon? That's that's why she was on Home Improvement. Okay, so while we're on the home improvement track, remember at the beginning of the season, um, Tim had a beard, and I'm like, why does you why did why do you have stubble? Son of a <laughs> Oh my god, guys, this is the, the this is honestly this is the biggest <laughs> revelation I think I've ever had in my life. I'm suddenly like neural new neural pathways are connecting. Um, we had, uh, we had gonna, no gonna, idea that for richer or poorer was influencing us, influencing us this entire time. I man, I'm I feel like I'm going to get my sense of smell back from this. Uh, it's <laughs> amazing. Uh, wow. Yes, that was. Then okay, then let me say, home improvement writers, way to work. Tim Allen's situation into like you turned that whole midlife crisis thing into I mean they didn't really use it as as much of a runner as I'd hoped that they would but that was a yep, co- right way, way to kind of like roll with the punches and incorporate it into the show home improvement writers well done well done fam respect what about for that richer a lot. or poorer writers I, I mean well what because they made like give the applaud because they made Tim Allen grow a beard thereby influencing. <laughs> No, I don't, I don't know. Then, I would, then why don't I, I applaud their parents for giving birth to them? I mean, if we're just going to thank everybody at this point, <laughs> I want to talk about J.O. Sanders, uh, yes. a man who was very prominent in the movies I watched of this era. I felt like I grew up watching him be the like rival coach of a, a movie about Little League mm-hmm. <laughs> in so many movies. Um, I so I, I'm just I know him. So much uh, from things like I'm trying to oh, he was in glory, uh, but I came to oh. that a little bit later. Uh, I knew him definitely from Roseanne. He was one of uh, Dan's biker buddies. Um, mm-hmm. He was in JFK with uh, was Wayne Knight in JFK as well. Uh, oh, God, I think he was. <laughs> he was probably sweating up a storm. I'll tell you that much. 
<laughs> Houston or uh, Dallas in the summer. I mean, that's uh, uh, so, uh, J. O. Sanders did a lot of TV. Uh, he's done a lot of movies. Um, he, he was in JFK. Uh, oh my God! Wow. He, play, he played these... Numa Bertel. That's a sweaty name if I've ever heard one. <laughs> Feel your forehead I... getting moist just saying it. Numa Bertel. Yeah. Oh my. Oh, uh, J. J. O. Sanders is who we're talking about. Uh, he did play um, uh, a character in Angels in the Outfield. Uh, he played, I, th- I think, one of the players in that movie. Uh, he did play Coach Jay Huffer in The Big Green, um, mm. which was a little league soccer movie that was definitely in my era. Um, so, uh, yes. Anyway, what I was shocked to learn about him is that he is a Shakespearean actor. Oh. Uh, his trivia, I'm trying to scroll down through his many credits uh, to get down to his trivia. Um, let's see here. Uh, he began his off-Broadway and Shakespearean roles with Henry V, Measure for Measure, and Twelfth Night uh, among his credits uh, in the late 70s with uh, in productions of... Uh, Sam Shepard's plays. He also, well, I don't need to go into this whole thing, but he uh, played Falstaff in uh, um, a production oh. of Lone Star Love, a musical adaptation of uh, The Merry Wives of Windsor. Falstaff's a, Falstaff's a good character. That's a, that, yeah. I feel like that's somebody you can have a lot of fun with. <laughs> he also played uh, Bottom in Mid, uh, Midsummer's Night's Dream. I, so, I mean, all-time character name. Top 10 right there. I, saw, <laughs> like, I mean, amazing... Uh, great, honestly, that Bottom became a clown and ha- took that as his profession. Because imagine if Bottom was like trying to be a prince or something else; he, no one would take him seriously. That would be, <laughs> that would be a Shakespearean tragedy. Here's what I want to say, though, tragedy about of Prince Bottom. <laughs> I'm sorry, go on, please. Casting J. O. Sanders and Megan Kavanaugh in these roles is they are two characters that kind of have a. I mean, Megan Kavanaugh plays weirdos at times. Mm -hmm. uh underdogs as well but she brings a sort of dignity to her characters um maybe not in her mel brooks movies but yeah uh jo sanders also like is a commanding presence and i think they are really well cast in this movie uh to to like help bring that sort of dignity to the amish culture um I don't know. I, 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 they could have gone in a much different jokey direction with it, and I'm glad that they, they didn't joke cast uh, these these roles. I, I, I liked that too, I, and I really appreciated, like, I think that both of them felt like they were out of a different movie, like when the wind changes <laughs> yes, and, they, and, they, yes. and they go up to, like, first meet Tim Allen and Kirstie Alley when they walk up to the farm. You see them all walking up, and you think, like, I, I buy them as actual Amish people. I yeah. buy them as, like... Now I'm watching Witness up until anybody starts talking. I want to. I mean, I want to say is though, what happens when you walk from one movie to another is the wind changes and everyone looks in the same direction. <laughs> okay, I want to just I, I for for the grunt work uh, 4D experience. Everybody who has access to the internet right now, I want you to do yourself a favor. First, go to the Wikipedia page for Wayne Knight. Take a look at the picture of Wayne Knight there. Then go to the Wikipedia page for J O Sanders and look at the picture of J O Sanders. They've got there what you're gonna see is two different good actors photographed with their mouth open facing in opposite directions of one another <laughs> the yin and the yang both photographed just mouth open i don't know if they're saying something or oh just taking God. a big breath 
That is an awful picture of J.O. Sanders. J.O. Sanders looks kind of like Will Ferrell doing an impression of someone, really. Looks like Will Ferrell doing an impression of Terry Bradshaw in one of his, like, less lucid moments. And also 25% of this picture of J.O. Sanders is either water bottle or microphone. It's just a trash picture. Just the absolute worst. But we, his mouth is open. We need to open. go in and edit. We got to find a better picture of J.O. Sanders. I, if if any of our listeners have editing capabilities for Wikipedia, please, my God, do the man a favor. I, I mean, look, if J.O. Sanders doesn't care enough about this to be on top of his online person, I mean, this is what he wants. Maybe he chose this. <laughs> he was uh, born in 1953. I'm going to just go out on a limb and say he doesn't know how to edit Wikipedia. Maybe he learned it at the State University of New York purchase where he got his BFA. So, okay, goodbye, Wikipedia. Back to the movie. Um, oh, God, do we have to? Well, I mean, I don't know. At this point, right, it's I got like... It. Okay, here's where right. we go. This They're is bad at farm chores. Yeah. Shenanigans. Exactly. You went yes. in the same fun direction that I did. Let's no fun, talk no about games. the fun and games portion. Do we want to start pulling out trailer moments? Oh, yes, trailer moments. Okay, yes, we are going... Yeah, what do you uh, think... Okay, so from from Act 1, the opening... Um, clearly we got to have some gala moments in there, right? So yes, them pulling the ah, ha, 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 clink of the glasses, right? Holy land that has to be in there. Yes. Uh, no, it, no doubt. Well, maybe we should introduce the idea of the trailer game, which we played in our, uh, grant work uh, episode, but, uh, we'll, we'll watch the trailer at the end of this, uh, episode and we're going to pull out moments we think are from, uh, that will appear in the trailer. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay, Wayne Bullet Knight... getting, uh, shooting the, oh, the phone out of his hand. Bullet shooting the, the phone, yeah. Mm, let's see, I'm trying to think. A car crashing into the lake, obviously they're oh, going to yeah. use that. Them, them veering away from the cow, hard cut to them crashing into lake. Uh, <laughs> Kirstie Alley struggling to milk the cow and squealing oh, yeah. about it. Uh, that's going in there. Tim Allen getting dragged by Big John getting the horse dragged. when he's trying to <laughs> yeah. to to plow. Um, I'm try. Uh, let's see. Kirstie Alley oh. falling in the pig shit in the pig pen. Yeah, Tim Allen vomiting up the uh, casserole that is clearly a stew, not a casserole. It's, yeah, one of this movie's many sins. I gotta start writing these down. Give me a sec. Okay, okay. And I think we should just each pick one line. Like, what's one line that we think is gonna is gonna be in there? Oh God! You know me. I'm not good with lines. Um, uh, I'll think about it and I'll let you know. I'll pick. There's it also we play. there's also not really a lot of good lines in this. Like there's uh, <laughs> there's uh, not. Um, can I go with morning? <laughs> honestly, because I believe that will be can. in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morning. No, that's that's your one. Morning is. How about okay? I got I got it. Okay, that's not gonna be mine. Mine will be yeah. the grace he gives. Good food, good meat, good God, mm. let's eat. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. Um, I think. Uh, some I think Wayne Knight uh in in the taxi cab explaining what he did to him like it's it's gonna be it's him gonna be going like your name's on all the receipts or I don't know I don't have the exact quote but that's a safe okay. bet because I think that sets up the uh that sets up the sets movie up the, the plot okay. okay cool I got pig shit I got cow milking I've got uh Tim and Big John those are uh, those are my votes um I will right. give I, I will give the movie credit that they didn't raise a barn in this. Yeah. Probably be you know you know why they didn't raise a barn? They didn't have the budget for it. They they <laughs> <laughs> we blew it all on the car chase. Um Yeah. Uh so 
Okay, so fun in games. Uh, Tim not good at uh, Tim not good at farm work. Kirsty not good at chores. Uh, yeah. Tim, uh, I don't know. Yeah, he's uh, uh, trying to get but, a horse you know, to plow field. Whatever. <laughs> there's the there is the turn though when you can see, and I think this is where the film kind of gets funky. Is when it gets, they do it gets funky to... in those opening credits. I'm sorry that 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 is a <laughs> that is a stanky beat they lay down. Oh, the <laughs> the turn that I don't buy is when they start to bring their own talents into the community. Ugh. So yes, at a certain point we find out that um, the community wants to buy or sell something. They, they want they want to buy the 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 oldest son wants to buy the plot of land next to the farm. That's right. And they have because to do business with regular Americans to to make the transaction. In every movie that depicts the Amish, there's always a uh, virginal, a forty year old virgin who doesn't know how to speak to a girl, and only an outsider can help him coach him yes, to do so. Exactly. Um. So, yeah, he want he they're gonna get married. Tim, you know, gives him his women advice to to get them to get engaged, and they want to buy this plot of land. And, uh, of course, you know, <laughs> in a very thankless role, we have Ethan Phillips, uh, from, uh, Voyager fame. Um, oh, the emergency medical hologram. I thought he no, looked familiar. No, 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 That was, that's, um, that's Joe the Meat Man. <laughs> oh, okay. I, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. No wonder I was thinking about the emergency medical hologram. <laughs> no, uh, uh, Ethan Phillips plays Neelix, the, the cook slash really oh. annoying guy a, a very prolific actor in his own right though we don't need to talk about much about him because this isn't his best performance nor uh does it factor much into the movie but basically the point is um he goes into this real estate office and they're gonna take advantage of the community and uh, tim with his real estate prowess um says okay do you mind if i talk to these guys alone for a second and then the uh, amish step outside and tim goes okay first of all you can shove this up your ass and, and like, the, and the guys both go saying they're slack jawed. What Amish? What? Say an ass? What? Yeah, um, they shake their heads like Bruce Willis and Hudson Hawk. But then we cut away, so we never even really see him doing the yes. thing he's supposedly good at. Lazy. The funnier like, joke is not to say shove it up your ass, but to like lay down like legit bargaining tools like okay this is clearly inflated for your price okay if you come down like lay out a a two-minute joke of tim putting down his expertise uh, tim tim doing business and wheeling and dealing but having to correct all of his like modern references for farming references to try and to you know to try and make make a point like you're saying like yeah oh we've got this at the we've got this at the 50 yard line we got to get it through to being like oh we've got this plow almost all the way across <laughs> the field we just have to push it a little more like that right that would be better i should point out also when we first see tim at the very beginning when they're trying to establish this is him at the height of his power in his old life he still doesn't seem to be very good at the real estate business given that he sets a lady no. on fire and nobody invests but in his project Real estate that has to do with model building. Okay. <laughs> well, the model building is part of the real estate pitch. If your model building is undercutting your real estate business, <laughs> wait, it doesn't wait, wait, matter. Wait. wait, real estate agents don't build their own models. 
Well, okay, I'm saying he hired a shitty contractor then, certainly. Okay, Either way, the, the blame Taylor. still rests with him. He's culpable. He's or on maybe, the insurance. Maybe he hired Al Borland, who set the game on fire. Okay, well, now, that would be that that would be a sweet revenge, though. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we don't ever see his expertise in that scene with the, no. with the real estate people, nor then do we see, well, I don't know. Like, Kirstie Alley, I guess, is good at fashion. We find this out late in the movie, and she starts this campaign among the women at the Amish community to convince the elders to let them start wearing colorful clothes instead of just yep. black. And this culminates in a fashion show that she does where she debuts a bunch of these new fashions that she's designed with Amish people as models. And I I feel like also in the 90s, the same way there was a lot of comedy movies inexplicably about Amish country, there was also a lot of just fashion show like runway model yeah. content that well, isn't funny but like they just think the concept of someone walking around debuting clothes is is inherently funny. funny like home improvement the, even did it uh i feel like jtt does it in every movie we've watched so far um yes. this movie put me in mind multiple times of another movie that doesn't have yuppies going to amish country but it is a fish out of water story about three people going to a small town and changing that town from their kind of conservative ways. Yeah. It has a lot of the same beats. And I think you know the movie I'm about to say. Leprechaun. To Wong Fu, thank for everything. Thank you for mm. everything. Julie Newmar. Okay. Okay. Very yes. The movie that I did not think was a real movie the first time I heard of it. Yes. <laughs> uh because in that movie, they do a very similar thing around the same uh, time point. Granted, you know, maybe 15 minutes later into the film, just because this movie is an hour and 55 minutes. Um, so long. <laughs> where they start uh, uh, dressing up the town in, you know, more fashionable clothes than like cowboy boots and, and you know, cowboy hats. Yeah. Yeah. I. It was just, I guess, in the zeitgeist of the 90s. I, I guess so. Yeah, Vogue the kind of and all that stuff. Yes, the the, the makeovers uh, were uh, you know all the rage. Um, so you know they do that. I mean, like I don't know. I and then I guess at some point there's a wedding, and then the IRS finally catches up with them. Do we, I mean do we want to do we want to start bringing it home for the third act? Yeah, the let's bring it home. Yeah, just bring it. Well, down. I mean, yeah. There's the the turn. They start to like really invest themselves in the community, and yeah. Tim takes pride. Okay, first of all, I do. I want to take a quick detour. Uh, once they start like taking pride in their work, and there's this moment when you could start to see the the spark in their their marriage start to come back, where Kirstie is watching Tim uh, guide Big John the horse to pull a stump out of the ground mm -hmm. and she's getting kind of hot under the collar watching him oh, and then she sees after the stump gets pulled out and he's he's happy um Tim flexes mm -hmm. for the for her like does the just arm in the air arm pump he's yeah. fucking ripped yes yeah I he was that like stopped me in my tracks do you think that like why didn't they work that into the home improvement see maybe that's why they I had don't know. maybe that's why they have them go into the ymca all the time because it's like oh tim tim allen is just so cut now we have to like we have to work yeah. this in um uh, it, i got one that, more thing before we get to the wedding okay let me just say it's really unappealing all these scenes of tim allen trying to be made sexy i don't like it go on <laughs> <laughs> there, there was that weird moment in their their bedroom late at night when she like is looks at you know, him 
looks at him and the camera kind of pans up his body to his sleeping face and I'm like this is weird I don't li- like <laughs> I get the fucking weird I get that cameras do that with women all the time I'm recognizing yeah, yeah. the double standard I like it's not pa- the pan- objectiveness it's just it the Tim Allenness of it yeah yeah pan up any other guy pan up Wayne Knight show me him sleeping I bet he's sweating <laughs> <laughs> okay the other thing I want to say is uh, before we get to the wedding is um, once they start to rekindle uh, there's they they kind of consummate it if you will or the scene before they consummate is um th- there's this big hoopla uh in a barn a and Annie I think <laughs> they go out to this little dock overlooking a pond and it's one of the weird it looks like a home improvement transition to be honest with you the way it's composited together I kind of expected <laughs> it's a okay so it's a starry night the moon is out it kind of looks like Bruce Almighty lassoed the moon and pulled it closer <laughs> or and George painted Bailey the stars in the sky and it's it's so poorly composited that I kind of expected the moon to grow a face and just start going dip 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 get a job <laughs> either that uh, or, or to like or to fall on the bubble factory logo like one of those uh, <laughs> Monty Python yes cartoons you can go one of two ways folks <laughs> um but so the scene isn't written well it's not well deserved at all it's poorly directed everything about it sucks but i think tim it's one of the best moments in tim allen of tim allen in this movie like the this is i think the scene where it dawned on me like oh he has got a naturalness to him that I haven't even seen in the other movies we've done of his before this, uh, that, I don't know, it just kind of surprised me. And I, I thought it was, like, good for you, Tim Allen. Like, it really shows his caliber of performance. He's he's a he's a really good actor. Like, it's just, that's just all there is to it. And I, I think that the biggest tragedy of Tim Allen is that he kind of got told he was super funny when really, he, <laughs> I, I mean, like, yeah. He's like he can do he can do comedy okay but the, I think the guy has dramatic chops and I think had he yeah. gone down the drama route I think he would have had a better career honestly or I, like I'm not to suggest that it hasn't been good for him but I think he would have more right. relevance now. Um and I okay so before we continue there's one more thing I want to bring up or two more things I want to bring up. Oh my uh, god so many things. I know I'm sorry. I want to cuz we haven't talked about Kirstie Alley really much in this episode. Um That's true. So I kind of want to touch on her for a second, but we should. I want to the 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 segue into it is I I just want to mention I think they have really good chemistry. They're they're it's believable tension, and I feel like comedically they bounce off each other very well. I like look I I think Kirstie Alley also is a really good actress. Um, mm-hmm. you know, is, is no Shelley Long obviously, but like I I think that yeah. she's I think that she's really funny and she is really good at playing a certain type of character who tends to be really grating and unappealing and i think the problem is when she is paired up with tim allen who plays a character who's very grating and unappealing like (laughs) kirstie alley opposite someone else uh, like that would be i think more manageable because it's like it you need her kind of like whininess and entitledness bouncing off of somebody who's got a different version of that you know a different thing like a going. like a blue collar um up like, your nose with a rubber hose kind of mentality. yeah yeah you know yeah like i don't know like maybe like kind of a bartender who maybe used to like play sports or something <laughs> but he doesn't drink anymore i don't know there's some maybe some other people come into the place too um i don't know i i like she's so yeah i i i think that they 
It's hard for me to judge, though, if they have good chemistry or if they do well together, because I find it so unappealing whenever they're both on screen. Not taking away from them, I think they're doing... They're portraying these awful characters very well, but I just... They're too good at their jobs. I don't like the end result. It's it's just a it's a it's poorly written characters in a poorly written script. So they they aren't given much to do, and but I feel robbed because I feel like they have such good chemistry that they could have really soared in a better screwball comedy. Uh, yeah, this just happens to be the one we got. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it's a shame. It's a lump yeah. of coal in our stocking. Um, Here's the other question that i want yeah. to bring up and yeah. i was gonna be delicate about this but considering i fuck it I, i'm just asking a question i'm just gonna yeah. ask the question yeah just, just here's the questions question. dude yeah here's the question does tim whalen wear a toupee i don't know there were a few I don't moments know. in this this movie where i i'd never thought about it before but there were a few moments where i'm like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i i can't see a hairline necessarily a lot of times and yeah. There are moments like when they wake up after having sex, uh, mm-hmm. where Spoiler it's just alert. like it's it's a little too perfectly tussled that I'm yeah. like, it wasn't like you just went under the bed and tussled it and you know popped back out like that felt prearranged on your well, head. Yeah, but I mean that's that's also that's also movie magic. I mean anybody's well, I know hair, hair and makeup like, obviously, yeah. but I don't know. It just it feels like it was prepared on a mannequin head and then like carefully attached to his head. <laughs> in the dark of night by uh, by a, a blind uh, makeup artist sworn to secrecy to never tell what <laughs> head he was pasting it onto. Um, look, Landon, I don't want to shock you, but we are, we, in 14 minutes, we will have been talking I know, for I as know. long I, as the I, movie. I've got so, an eye okay. on it. I've got an yeah. eye. Okay, so okay, let's get good. to the end. Yeah. Here, here's the question I want to ask for this wedding scene. Did this movie inspire Promising Young Women? Um... <laughs> I, I guess I'm going to say no, but make your point, Landon. I, I'm, I'm sure you're asking for a reason, and I'll like it when right. you say it. Spoiler alert, if you if you haven't seen Promising Young Woman and you really want to, um, I won't go into the details of why this scenario exists, but both of these movies end with the feds raiding a wedding oh, oh, and trying okay. to cart people away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Federal agents showing up at a wedding. I think that that is proof that Promising Young Woman is directly ripping off The Godfather. Uh, truly, <laughs> tr- truly great content. Great way to use up one of our precious 14 minutes we have Sorry, left. Okay, all right. I thought there was something there. <laughs> you, you go we after can, me we for can boogie record nights. over. You can edit it. Edit it down under 155 minutes. Uh, oh, oh, okay, oh, great. Okay, cool. That that's yeah. Let's go for three hours. It's just time out of Truman's life. Then, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. They the, so the the feds roll up. The the IRS agents amusingly, while looking for them, they finally trace them to somewhere around the Amish country, and then they get run off the road by the same uh, uh, cow and crash into the same lake and hit the taxi. That's genuinely funny. I like that. Um, the feds take them. <laughs> Back to New York, the um, the Amish realize, quote unquote, supposedly realize that they're not the the real deal, and all of the Amish turn their backs on them and ceremonial ceremonially shun them. Um, and then they're in court, and the judge who they set on fire is uh, presiding over the trial and is about to sentence them, and it seems like it's going to be bad. But then their lawyer runs in. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know deus ex machina attorney at law comes in here he's got wayne knight who he found because i guess lawyers are detectives and and 
Wayne Knight confesses to everything, which means that Tim Allen and Kirstie Alley get to leave, even though they, like, stole a guy's car and trashed yeah. it and drove all over New York in a car chase and lied to a, a community for a couple weeks. Here, Here's... Okay. Ugh. I guess it's not against the law to pretend to be Amish. Maybe that's the perfect crime, actually. <laughs> but, okay, I'll tell you what... Can't call the, the cops. Perfect, the thing that really... at That... I would have given this like a, a two, maybe two and a half star as just like a, a slightly inoffensive, boring, long movie. This is the moment when I said, no, this is a morally bankrupt movie that I need to actively move down the chain of ratings. <laughs> <laughs> this moment when Kirstie Alley and Tim Allen stand up and the judge says, you know, okay, uh, make your case, you know, your your lawyer isn't here yet, uh, who's going to defend you? And they're like, no one. We want to uh, we want to stand, you know, culpable for our acts. We're ready to receive whatever punishment you think is fitting. And I'm like, no! No! <laughs> what kind of fantasy world are you living in? These motherfuckers, the second that they get a, a chance at their wealth again, they're going to buy their way. They're going to buy the judge. They're going to blackmail. They're going to find dirt on her. They're going to the, kill someone in a cell. The, <laughs> the, know, the judge like, was, I mean, the judge was already a guest at one of, at their 10th anniversary yeah. party. Like this judge should have recused herself immediately. And the fact that she didn't, this glaring conflict of interest in our justice system. Um, the, but, the idea that you can inject morality into morally bankrupt people at the very end and say no give us our punishment maybe it's just the world we're living in right now with one news item after another coming out of no one fucking ever getting punished for anything in this world that uh, I'm there's, like, there's plenty of black people and poor people getting punished for all well, kinds of things that they didn't even do in a lot of cases go on i'm sorry <laughs> That's exactly my point. I, like this movie just made me say "fuck off" so hard in this moment that uh, I don't know. It, it undid any goodwill it built up before that moment. I, you know, but hey, great to get, great to see the rich people get a happy ending though. Like uh, the the the, the movie the movie posits that you can be garbage your entire life and then if you lie to a bunch of people and work on their farm poorly might i add for 14 or so days uh <laughs> you're you're clear that's good hard reset yep. the laws can't touch you uh god can't touch you then uh so after they get out of jail they walk away from all their friends i should point out also that one of kirstie alley's friends is played by a woman named marla maples uh, she was married to a person who was president of this country in the recent past, and she is mother of one of his, I mean, I would say probably least odious children, not that I'm... Is that true? What, Marla Maples? Yes, was married I... to Trump. Mother of oh. mother of Tiffany Trump. A, I was trying to talk around those it. those words. Well, yeah, yeah, we yeah but then those... you ask questions that require me to... <laughs> Ew! Yeah, yeah. This is now. I have Landon. more contempt for this movie now being that much closer to 
Oh God! L- Landon, there was that other movie about. There was that other movie about a mean real estate guy <laughs> I have in New York. Blocked that out of my head. Honest to God, I blocked that out from, of my head. From the lineage of Tiffany Trump shows up in that movie, but it's not Marla Maples. <laughs> I'm just saying, weird things happen with the kind of movies that we are choosing for our oh completely my God. completely fucked. I'm uh, so sorry, podcast. everyone. The, the 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 Tim Allens and the Kirstie Alleys uh, walk out of the courtroom. They turn their back on all their shitty friends. They go back to the farm to apologize to the Yoders. The Yoders tell them, we knew you were faking the whole time, so you don't need to apologize. So none of this matters. He gives them the pocket watch. Yeah, and trades, and basically they trade their fancy car for a farm truck, and they give them Big John the horse and a bunch of cow feed or whatever. Okay. But they're driving along with it. And then at the very end, after the credits, after the bloops, the awful bloops, we get this final stinger shot of them, again, almost hitting the cow, stopping and realizing there's a plot of land for sale in Amish country and deciding to buy it. And I'm like, wait, why did you get a farm truck and a big horse and a bunch of corn if you weren't already planning to live there? Are you going to take this shit back to Manhattan? (laughs) What the fuck? Are you going to park your horse? You gotta tie it up to a parking meter, and like we tried to shift your farm truck in traffic on on the Brooklyn Bridge every day. Fuck you! What? Why would you have done this if you didn't already have the land? They thank you, but one parting shot at this movie I don't like. Wow, good call. Thank you. Um, good at one yeah, thing. I I I don't have anything to top that. Let's uh let's go into the trailer game. Before we before we play the trailer though, um, do we want to get any last um, uh, last guesses in? What do okay. we have? You you were, did you write it down? What we already okay. have? Uh, let's see. We have uh, we have the IRS shooting phone out of his hand. We yes. have Kirstie Alley slipping in pig shit. Kirstie Alley milking a yes, cow. Tim yes, getting dragged around by Big John the horse. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, uh, you have the line that you have is morning when the guy wakes him <laughs> up every morning. Yeah. Um, and, and I and the the prayer, oh, and the prayer. Yes, uh, good God, let's eat. We need something from the gala, uh, Holy Land. Do you think oh, yeah, that's, ho- that's oh yeah, Holy too... Land? We had Holy Land, yeah. Do you think that's too? Uh, um, I don't know. Uh, sacrilege for for the Midwest. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. They're no, they they they'd put Holy Land in there because they're because they want to establish up front of this trailer that they're bad folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Wayne I mean, Knight it's... with a bunch of stuff in his arms. Uh, yeah, wait, scuttering yeah, about. Wait, what Wayne Knight Wayne Knighting, yeah. Uh Yeah, Wayne Knight with his box. Or when no, a Wayne Knight in taxi, that's what I'm saying. Wayne There's gotta taxi. be what what's what's the beat in the trailer to show the turn toward the good? Uh let's see. I think it's it's gonna be a shot of her uh the shot of her coming out and handing him the glass of water with the lemons in it when he's out working the field and he oh, says and okay. she says like don't read too much into it. I'm going to uh, diverge from you on this one. I yeah. think I think the maybe maybe that's in there, but I, I think that it's going to be constructed this way. Uh, I think that they're going to compress the uh, the rule of three mornings so that we see morning morning and then something shows that there's a turn and then he goes afternoon and we mm-hmm. see them popping up out of the covers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Morning, morning, afternoon. I think that's a little too... I think that's a little too um, raunchy for the 90s, and I think that's a little too... Okay. Um, that's just me. That's just why I didn't pick it. Uh, I, I'm excited for you to go with it. I think, And I was also wrong about it, about the Supreme Court justices joke in the two weeks notice trailer, so <laughs> what the fuck do I know anyway? Um, okay. All right. Do we want to do, do give, it a, give it a watch and see what we got? Yeah. 
Yeah, All give right. us a countdown. I'm going to play this. All right, okay. All right. Uh, three, two, one, play. Brad and Caroline were the toast of New York. I have developed 16 okay, commercial properties, including Euro Alcatraz. Holy Land. They, they, they didn't say in the it, world yeah. Two people could want. You two are so lucky. Mwah. Mwah. Okay, yeah, show their good life. Marriage. You are divorced, then it'll get ugly. I can do ugly. I've done you for the last ten the things years. Things aren't so and good. An oh. honest accountant. Oh. You know, Wayne Taxi. IRS audit what? thing. Wayne scuttling about. Frozen. Now, oh, the fish-eyed lens. I should have called that one. Details. Five million dollars. I think they're going to arrest you. Hold that, IRS. Wait, here comes. <laughs> I nailed it. Nailed I it. can't believe it. You just shot at him. He had a gun. He had a phone. Now, they're fugitives on the run. Cash fraud, resisting arrest, grand theft okay, auto. Okay, yeah, yeah, cow crash. Should have called the exposition from Michael Lerner. Surprise! 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 Such an easy one we should have got. Ah, morning! It's almost 4:45. We must overslap. Let's go scrub the kitchen floor. Oh, could we? I know cheaters. Right now, the sections are kicking back at some fancy Caribbean resort. No pictures. Oh, 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 milking cow. I called They're having milking. the time you of their lives. Milking. Okay. I can't stand there hasn't here. Been I've never yet. worked so hard yeah. in my life for a Wait, meal. Right. Good food, good oh, meat. Chickens, good though. God, he just did good gut. Let's eat. Sometimes. It's been a long oh, time nice. since she opened her barn for me. All it takes to save a marriage. Did you ever really love me? You mean like that? Oh, God, why didn't you call the, the, the looking at the vows? Oh, getting dragged by Big John. Well, there you go. <laughs> you, got the, hearty you got the fun games down. Very favorite dish. Long oh, wow. Oh. Did you get the vomit? I, I called it earlier. Yeah, you, you called it earlier. You got it. Okay. They're like children of the corn. Tim Allen. They're talking about you in the barn. We got puppies. Oh, Big John. What a stud. Kirstie Alley. Aren't there mornings when you yourself wake up and you think, I'm just so in the mood to wear pink? Wait. Is that Wait. It? Do, we, do we even get the title? No, we got a trailer or a commercial break in the fucking middle of a trailer. What the fuck? I only, mine, mine cut off. Okay, that, that yeah, let's just go with that as the trailer. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, look, clo close enough. We hit so many of them. We got IRS shooting the phone, vomiting was yeah. there, pig shit yeah. not there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cow, cow milking, yeah. Tom, uh, t Tim getting pulled around by Big John. Morning. <laughs> I'm so uh, man. And good God, let's see. We hit. We hit our tight. Uh, we hit our direct quotes. Okay. I think. All right. Hol Holy What's Land. Score? Holy Land is marginal. Give me a second. Holy Land is okay. marginal because they don't actually say Holy Land, and it's they barely don't. a close up. But that I, I think that's a clever way to skirt really upsetting. You know the the conservative religious. Uh, audience that might be going to see the family Tim Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's see. There were 11 guesses, and we got, uh, let's see, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We got eight because we got neither uh, neither uh, her giving him lemonade or the morning, morning, afternoon bit. Like, they did... They, yeah, they made no serious attempt. Do we get to, half a point for mo one morning, or a I mean, third of a point? I, I mean, we, I mean, well, we already got points for having morning in there. So, oh, okay, okay, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah we, we already got those. Um, that was wow, that was exhilarating. We got a, we got a lot of those. We, we had better judge of this movie than we were of two weeks' notice. I think we're just gonna get better with age.
Oh man, well that's that's certainly not been happening with me so far. But uh, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll do maybe I'll do two weeks of relatively hard labor on a farm, and that'll completely change the kind of person I am. Oh boy. Well, Truman, uh, if we end right now, we're gonna be just exactly the length of this movie, and okay. uh, I think you've spent your time better here than watching it. So let's just end this now. Um, listen, we're, uh, in a mid season break, obviously we're being a little inconsistent. Uh, there are some big things in our life right now that are making uh, it difficult to have a consistent recording schedule, but we will continue to give you bonus episodes. So stay tuned right here to grunt work, um, as we do more. Uh, and if you want to help us support the show, we are putting out consistently on our, uh, Patreon, our grunt work nights episodes, uh, because our patrons make the show possible. And if you want to help make the show possible, uh, consider becoming a, uh, an official Grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash grunt pod. You can always rate a review, um, this show wherever you listen to podcasts, cause it helps people find the show. Or you can say hi to us over at Twitter or Instagram at grunt pod. Uh, you can also visit uh, our website, which is www.gruntworkpodcast.com uh, for more information about uh, today's episode or to find other ways to stay in contact with us. Uh, and until the next time we talk, when we bring you another surprise movie from the vaults, uh, I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, oh man, now the cops are chasing me. <laughs>